Earlier this month, the Department of Homeland Security, along with the FSI SAC and others, issued a report about sophisticated POS malware attacks. Here, Tiffany Jones, a cybersecurity expert and senior vice president of iSight Partners, the firm that worked with the DHS to develop the report, offers insights about emerging malware attacks. Now Jones explains why emerging malware attacks are believed to be backed by highly sophisticated crime rings that are organized and skilled, as well as key indicators that suggest these attacks will continue to evolve. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Tiffany, in this report that was drafted for the Department of Homeland Security, iSight worked with the U.S. Secret Service and the U.S. Computer Emergency Readiness Team to gather information about today's emerging malware attacks against U.S. retailers what can you tell us about the research that went into this report and the timeline of attacks that were reviewed? iSight partners working uh, with the U.S. government determined there was some new malware, malicious software, potentially infecting a large number of retail information systems. And so the purpose of the joint report going out was to notify retailers, raise the level of awareness about some of these risks, and uh, provide them some indicators to allow them to look within their environments and see if they, in fact, may have an issue or have been compromised. And so over what period, Tiffany, did you review these attacks? Does this span the last six months, the last year? iSight began to observe and report on uh, POS malware activity, similar code and venues frequented by malicious software developers starting back in early 2013. But even prior to 2013, we have seen the use of malware to compromise payment information storage systems uh, for quite some time. So that in and of itself is not new. What's really more intriguing about this is it's the first time we've seen this kind of attack at, at this scale and sophistication. So while the malware specifically, you know, some of the pieces of malware, the variants that are being used currently are not the most sophisticated, it's really the overall attack method and operation to covertly kind of subvert network controls and the common forensic tactics that are typically used to find these things, among some other interesting tactics that are used as well that we can talk about further. Tiffany, before we get into some of the details about the attacks themselves, let's talk a little bit about the report that came out from the DHS. This report has not been made public. How was it distributed? That is correct. The report is considered a TLP green, traffic-like protocol green, and what that means is it's sent to organizations and retailers in particular that have a need to know. So this was not distributed publicly to the general masses or the public because, quite frankly, it has some information in there that um, is sensitive in nature regarding some of the indicators and whatnot. And, quite frankly, there is an ongoing investigation that's occurring with some of these retailers and victims. And so didn't want that to damage some of those ongoing investigations that are happening, but did want to get information out to the hands of the retailers who needed it. Tiffany, when was the report issued? Uh, the report was issued, I believe, on January 14th. And is iSight the only firm that the DHS worked with to collect these findings? It wasn't the only organization, obviously Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Secret Service, the Financial Services, ISAC, which is an information sharing and analysis center, 
uh, and iSight partners, but iSight was the only private sector organization involved. Tiffany, Cartosha POS is the variant of malware that was noted by some of these retailers, and in fact, it's been a type of malware that's been noted to be linked to Black POS, which has been, of course, noted in some of these retail POS breaches that we've seen, large and small, that date back to early 2013. You've noted that retailers should not get so hung up, though, on the actual type of malware, such as Cartosha. Rather, they should focus more on the anomalous activity and the scraping capabilities surrounding these attacks. Is that correct? That is correct. A lot of folks are focusing on very specific variants of malware, but quite frankly, you know, what is today's variant quickly becomes end of life or not used as often and, and the next variant turns around and is found, is developed, is sold in the underground marketplace and then is used for these types of campaigns and activities. So we shouldn't get so hung up on the actual type of malware, but instead on the the type of behaviors and the activities and, like you said, the capabilities surrounding these types of attacks so that retailers should focus in on some of the anomalous behavior they may be seeing within their environment. The software um, variants that we've seen to date uh, are able to covertly, you know, covertly subvert network controls and common forensic tactics. They conceal data transfers and executions that may have been run and rendering it really hard to detect. Many retailers don't know you know, that they've been affected or infected in that, and that they may have already lost data because to some extent, right, the software works very effectively in covering its tracks. Tiffany, a lot of attention has been paid recently to the retail attacks, but are these attacks being aimed solely at U.S. retailers or are there other industries and perhaps other regions of the world that are being targeted by this type of malware as well? I can't comment specifically on, on regions or uh, victimology, victim identification at this time, but what I can say is that we've seen the development of very effective toolkits and malware be developed, be sold in underground marketplaces, be bought in those marketplaces, and then used for a number of different purposes, whether it's criminal activity related to, you know, financial gains, their usages for ideological purposes, or for, you know, espionage purposes, et cetera. We've seen malicious code initially used and developed and used for, let's say, espionage purposes, that, but then become just as effective in being used for cybercrime purposes and vice versa. Tiffany, the malware that I mentioned earlier, Cartosha, is believed to have infected a large number of U.S. retailers. Can you tell us how many retailers you believe have been infected? I can't comment on the number of retailers infected or that have been compromised, and I can't talk specifically about victim identification. But obviously one of the key reasons for the joint report going out by the U.S. government was to make sure that we were effectively educating the community and, and in particular the retail community about some of these threats, about the risks to their environment so that we could understand more effectively how widespread this may be, how many may be affected by this. And in the report, and even in the public statements that have been made around the report, there were very specific things that were provided to retailers things that they could do and points of contact that they should engage with if they believe they have been compromised. Tiffany, a lot of the reports that have come out about these recent malware attacks have linked the attacks or traced the attacks back to Russia. 
but attribution is difficult. Why is attributing these attacks to one particular player or group so challenging? Well, because at the end of the day, it isn't just one actor or one particular group. It's actually an ecosystem, just like the drug trade and any number of other kind of criminal activities. There tend to be a number of different actors and characters involved in, within this ecosystem you know, with very specific roles and responsibilities. So as mentioned earlier, you have developers of toolkits or malware that sell these capabilities to others. You have individuals or groups who sell botnets, which are networks of, we call them bots, of computers that can be used for things like distributed denial of service attacks. You have buyers of these capabilities and these toolkits. You have mules that, just like in the drug trade, are transporting these either weapons or goods or fraudulent credit cards, you know, whatever is needed to support the activity underway or campaign. And then obviously you have actors or groups involved in this case, what we think is indicative of financial cybercrime. They're looking for, you know, financial gain. There's uh, many others involved in that ecosystem, but that's just an example of why it is so complex and challenging to pinpoint this type of activity just to one person or one group. Tiffany, you've touched on this, but I'd like for you to elaborate. When we talk about how criminals actually get their hands on these different types of malware, has there been evidence to suggest that these emerging malware strands have actually been commercialized? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen that time and time again and observed it over a number of years that the development of malware and toolkits, there's a pretty extensive, you know, development life cycle involved. There's a QA process for quality assurance involved in testing the malware to make sure that it cannot be detected by traditional kind of endpoint protection technologies. And then obviously there's a huge marketplace in cyber for the buying and selling of these capabilities and to some extent the weaponization of this malware with other types of capabilities um, so that it can be much more effective in its sophistication and the complexity of the operation. So we've seen that time and time again. It is very much alive and well. Tiffany, would you say that retailers are responding with adequate defenses? I would say I can't make a comment specifically on individual retailers or a general statement about how secure or insecure, you know, the retail community is. You know, like any other vertical or sector that I've had the opportunity to work with over the years, um, there are organizations and companies who are extremely effective and have comprehensive information security programs. There are some that don't, um, and then there are a number in between. So I couldn't make a general comment about how effective retailers have been to date. What I think this report has effectively done is at least raise the level of awareness to let retailers know that just like any number of verticals within critical infrastructure or sectors, they too can be attacked. They too can be targeted. There are threats to the, their environment um, that they need to be mindful of and build an effective information security program around so that they can have the proper threat profile and so that they can understand the threats you know, that are coming at them and, and take proper measures to protect themselves against them. 
Tiffany, based on what you've learned about some of these emerging malware attacks, would you say that we can beat these attacks? There is never zero risk to any organization. No matter you know, how effective your security program is, there will always be residual risk uh, within any company or organization. So if an attacker you know, wants to get into your environment, in many cases, they'll, they can find a way. The key is making sure that you understand fully the threats coming at you, you understand your threat profile, you understand what are the most important or critical assets within your organization or your business, whether it's intellectual property, whether it's PII or you know sensitive customer data, in this case credit card information, right, or customer sensitive information. You need to understand where all of that resides and determine you know, how you want to apply your resources most effectively to the most important assets within your environment so you can protect those the most uh, and have the most effective information security program that meets your risk tolerance in particular. And then finally, Tiffany, before we close, could you elaborate on more of those recommendations and what would some of those recommendations be, not just for retailers, but also for banking institutions where defenses and education are concerned? Well, and, and not even just to banking, you know, I think there's several sectors that also need to be mindful as well about the threats to their particular environment, whether they're manufacturing, whether they're oil and gas. No one vertical is the same in terms of its threat profile, right, versus another. So if you are a particular, you know, company, a retailer, your threat profile should look different from, you know, another company in another vertical, and it's constantly changing. It's dynamic in nature. Today's threat may be a different threat tomorrow, or that threat today affecting the retail community, they may move laterally and actually determine that campaign could be used very effectively in an oil and gas sector, for example. And so it's really important that as companies and organizations are thinking about their security programs writ large, that they have a good understanding not only of their key assets, but they understand the vulnerabilities associated you know, with their environment. They understand their threat profile. And then they determine, ultimately, what their risk tolerance level is. And then based on the risk that, you know, uh, they can tolerate, they should take their resources and apply those resources, whether it's people resources or technology resources or process, um, to be able to construct the most effective information security program that meets the, the needs of the organization from a risk perspective. Tiffany, I'd like to thank you again for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much, Tracy. Again, we just heard from Tiffany Jones of iSight Partners. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.